Now, I need you to say this even if you don't believe it this morning. Say this with me. Say, I have been given power and authority. You have been given power and authority. And my, my uh, goal over the next two weeks, I believe, uh, not counting last week, is to walk you through this 10-point study where, where we really take an in-depth look at everything that happened from the beginning of mankind being made, mankind being given this power and this authority, all the way to the dispensation that we live in right now, where you and I have the ability to claim or reclaim that same power and authority. And so the title of this uh, series or this, this study is called The Believer's Authority. And Pastor Sean alluded to that a little earlier this morning, but how many of you know that, you, that if you believe that you have power and authority, even if you have it, you got to exercise it. You, you got to exercise the power and authority. If you've been given a task of being the boss on your job, but you don't exercise that power and authority, the people who are subjugated to you will run over you. Amen? How many of you know if you don't exercise power and authority where your kids are concerned, it'll end up being, they'll end up being the adult and you'll be the kid? Amen. Anybody ever seen that before? I know not you. I know not you. But you've been some places before where you've seen kids behave in such a manner that you had to question who had the real power and authority. Amen. I want you to understand that should not be the lifestyle of a believer. We, the devil should never be in question about who has the power and the authority. And so last week we talked and I gave you uh, three different points. And before we get to those points this morning, I just want to revisit something uh, that we started off with in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. So if you'll go to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Um, in essence, what Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 tells us is this. It says that basically that there's a five-fold ministry. And that in that fivefold ministry, there's been different gifts or different abilities that have been given. It says that in, in those various gifts, we have what we call apostles, we have prophets, we have evangelists, we have pastors and teachers. And one of the things I want to say to you so that you understand why I teach the way I teach and why I do what I do. When you see this word teacher, I don't believe that this word teacher simply denotes one who can give you information or theology. This word teacher denotes the ability of someone to give you the ability to think for yourself. And so my job as your pastor and as your teacher is to make sure that when we're going through scripture, that you're not just listening to what I say, that you are studying and asking the Holy Spirit what it means for your life as well. Amen. Far too many times in the church, we've had people who just came to church and whatever the pastor said, they just ran with it. Now, understand, I spend my time studying. I spend my time uh, making sure that I am well equipped to teach you the word. But that doesn't exempt you from studying. Amen. Amen? Uh, we have lots of teachers in, 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 in here. And, I'm, and, and a teacher can be well prepared and a teacher can teach you lots of things. But that don't mean that's going to be everything on the test. And so I may teach you some things, but you've got to study and hear the Holy Spirit about what you're supposed to be studying, what you're supposed to be praying, what you're supposed to be meditating on, because there are individual tests that each of us are going to have to take to demonstrate this power and this authority. Amen? And we said the whole purpose of this was for the perfecting of the saints. The reason we have these various calls, the reason we have these various abilities in the church is so that you and I can grow up and become the thing that God has called us to be. Amen? And so we, went, we, we started off last week in Luke chapter 9, and I want to go back there. Luke chapter 9, we'll start in verse 1, and we'll read the first 10 verses in Luke chapter 9. Say power, power. 
in authority. Now, it's important that you understand that I'm not just trying to puff you up by telling you that you have power and authority. I'm telling you that you have power and authority so that you never have to succumb to this, this feeling of hopelessness. Tell your neighbor, say, hopelessness is not a part of my inheritance. It's not, it's not a part of your inheritance. It's, it's, hopelessness is not something that should be plaguing you when you are a born-again believer. But I know lots of people who love God, who go to church and suffer from depression. They, they, they suffer from this sense of hopelessness. They, 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 they suffer from all of these things because they are not focused on who they really are. If you're focused on who you really are and you find yourself in the Word, it is impossible to be depressed. When you know that, that you have the power and the victory over everything that comes against you, it's hard for you to be sad. Man. When you see people who are sad and depressed, it's because they don't believe things can get better. I got any folk in here who believe things can get better. Amen. And you have to have that hope in your life. So look what Jesus did. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, it says, Then Jesus called his 12 disciples together. The Bible says that he gave them, notice these next two words, power and what? authority. He gave them both power and authority over what? All devils. Make this confession. Say, I have, I have power, power and, authority and authority over every devil. Over every now, you ought to give God some praise like you believe it. See, sometimes you have to convince yourself that you are what the word says you are. And the Bible says that Jesus called his disciples together and that he gave it to them. It means he parted it out to them that they had power and authority. And if you remember on last week, I said to you that these men were not full of the Holy Ghost. These were mere men who, based on a word, received power and authority and had something happen based on that. You are a born-again believer who have been endowed with the Holy Spirit. So if you have power and authority and the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't accomplish. And you got to begin to believe it and see it in that manner. The Bible says he gave them power over all devils and to do what? Cure diseases. And we talked last week that that wasn't just physical diseases. Those were mental illnesses. So that when we talk about depression and all those things, when you have power and authority, it has the ability to cast that stuff out of your life. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, and he sent them to do what? Preach the kingdom of God and to heal everybody that was sick. That means everybody who was physically sick, who was emotionally sick, who was financially sick. Your job in the kingdom is for you to be a light to everybody who's sick. It's the reason I say to you all the time that there ain't just one preacher in this church. We're all preachers of the gospel. We're also supposed to be all preachers of the kingdom. Some of y'all are like, not me. Yes, you. You are a preacher of the kingdom if you're born again and walking in your power and authority. You may not be in a pulpit. You may not be on a street corner. But every time you show up with somebody who doesn't know God, it's your opportunity to preach. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. neighbor. Say, your life, your life ought to be your sermon. Your life ought to be your sermon. Your, wherever you go, your life, you shouldn't have to have on a what would Jesus do t-shirt and a bracelet and, and some shoes and everything for everybody to know that you serve God. You, you ought to just be able to show up and, and because of how you carry yourself, because of the words you choose to use, how you, how you interact with people, the anointing on your life will set you apart. The Bible then says to them in the next verse, verse 3, he says that they went to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick 
And then in verse 3, it says, and he said unto them, take nothing for your journey. <laughs> he, says, he says, don't take a stage nor script, neither bread nor money, neither have two coats apiece. In other words, what he was trying to demonstrate to them was, when you've been given power and authority, you don't have to depend on other sources. Now, that's, that's tough for some folk. Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job. That's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying to you is that when God is your source, he's the one you look to. Everything else is secondary. Everything else, I like that. Everything else, God is the source. Everything else is a resource. And when you understand that God is your source and everything else is your resource, you never take time being concerned about all the other things in your life. It's almost like he told him in Matthew. He says, he says the, the birds don't, don't take thought about, about their life. He says they don't, they don't spend time wondering what they're going to eat. He says, and if God loves them, and, and, and how much more does God love you? And so the Bible wants us to understand that when he's teaching them this, he's saying, listen, I'm giving you power and authority and don't worry about anything else. He says, you just go preach the gospel. He says, in whatsoever house you enter into, he says, you stay there. He said, and then you depart. Next verse. He says, and whosoever will not, will not receive you, when you go out of that city, it says, shake the dust off of your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed, and they went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now, now notice, they're doing this just based on giving authority. Next verse. It says, then Herod heard of this and, and all that they were doing, and he was perplexed because that it was said of some that John had been risen from the dead. It says, and of some that Elijah had appeared, and of others that one of the old prophets was risen again. Last two verses. It says, and Herod said, John have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. It says, and, he, and the apostles, when they were returned, now watch this, told him all that they had done. It says, and he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to a city called Bethesda. Now watch this. He says, literally, he gave the disciples a charge. He says, I want you to go out. I want you to heal everybody you encounter. I want you to take care of every sickness, every disease, and I want you to do this based on the power and authority that I've given you. Now, how many of you understand that the same power and authority that was given to them is the same power and authority that we have available today? Amen. So tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. say, in reality, in reality there, is there is nothing that I should fear. That I should fear. Amen. See, see, there are about four amens, so that's about four is souls. The rest of y'all not sure. But, but, but let me help you. When you understand that God does not diminish through generation. God does not diminish. His power and his authority doesn't diminish. It wasn't superpower when he gave it to the apostles, and now it's just some little thing when he gives it to you. The same power and authority that he gave to them that caused these mere mortal men to walk out and to do everything the kingdom required is the same power and authority that we have today. The problem is, is that we spend so much time being so earthly. Everything we think we can do, we base it up on our talents, upon our ability, upon our skill, upon our network, everything that we're connected to. But I'm telling you that as a believer, God doesn't need anyone but you to accomplish what he needs to do in your life. Everything else, he will position those people who are designed to help you accomplish what God has called you to. Amen? Say, I have, I have 
power and authority. So when we walk through this teaching, the first three points we walked to, we talked about how Adam received his authority. And we won't go back through all of that, but we were in Genesis, and we said that Adam was made in the image of who? God. That God literally made Adam in his image. And then to demonstrate the fact that he had given Adam this power and this authority, uh, we notice in Genesis chapter 2. Go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. I don't know if you guys have it back there. If you can get it, that'd be great. If not, those of you who have a Bible, you, you get it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. We talked about this a little on last week, how when you are given power and authority, that means you have the ability to say something and see it come to pass. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, here it is. It says, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help me for him. Now, there's another scripture in verse, let's, go, let's look at verse 19. Verse 19, the scripture right before that, if you can go back to it, here's what it says. It says, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. Now, watch this. And every fowl of the air. And he brought them unto Adam. Now, notice what he says. To see what he would do what? Call them. Now, now, now wait a minute. Think about this for a moment. We have God, who is creating all of these animals, why did he bring them to Adam to let Adam name them? That's the question. It's not rhetorical. Why did he bring them to Adam? Because he had given Adam the authority in the kingdom. So when Adam had the authority in the kingdom, God made the animals, but he didn't supersede Adam's authority. So when God... When God gives you authority in certain areas, you're waiting on God to come down and supersede the authority that he's already given you. But God's not going to come in and override your will in certain areas because he's already given you the authority. So the Bible says that he brought the animals to Adam. It says, in whatsoever Adam called it, it says, in whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So there are some situations in your life you're begging God to change. He said, you just need to call it something. He said, there, there's, there, there's situations in your life, and you're waiting on me to fix it. You keep praying for me to fix it. You keep fasting for me to fix it. But I'm not going to step in and supersede the authority I've already given you. So if you're tired of being broke, start saying something different. You're tired of being sick, start saying something different. You're tired of your children being wayward, start saying something different about them. Call it what it is and then see what, it's, what you've called it. Say, I have power and authority. And then we talked about last week about how when Adam had all this power and all this authority, how God basically gave them an instruction. It was very simple. He said, listen, I just need you to do one thing. Don't eat from the tree where? In the midst of the garden. He said, everything else is food for you. Everything else you can partake of, you can enjoy. Just don't mess with this one thing. But the Bible says that, 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 that the enemy came and that, and that he, he tricked Adam and Eve. And we talked about which one he tricked and whether, whose fault it was. At the end of the day, they both got tricked. One, one, one of them was disobedient. The other one was deceived. At the end of the day, it caused fall for all mankind. And so then the, the second point we talked about on last week was Adam's fall. And how many of you know that when Adam fell, because we were in Adam's loins, we fell too? Amen? But praise God, the first Adam got us into, the last Adam got us out of. Amen? And so we can't just sit back and say, oh, if Adam had messed up, my life would be better. Adam messed up, but God didn't leave you messed up. 
God didn't leave you stuck. God didn't leave you in a position where you have to be wondering how it would have been if Adam hadn't messed up. You can live a life just like Adam never messed up. And so the Bible begins to tell us that Adam made this fall. And the Bible says that when Adam made this fall, it got us to point three. And point three was Satan's rule. When Adam fell, he gave up power and he gave up authority. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Say never give up your power and your authority. And so we began to look here, and we saw Satan's rule and dominion take place in the earth. And we found out that, that Satan's job literally was to try to contain us and to make us live as though we were still under the curse and we were still in bondage. And how many of you know that there are lots and lots of believers who love God and they're saved, but they still live like they're in bondage? And one of the things we said is the whole purpose of, of our name, Fellowship of Champions, is that we don't want to be a people just waiting to go to heaven. The Bible says that we want to live days of heaven, what? On earth. We don't want to just be sitting around waiting, hoping and praying that one day we're going to get to heaven. Hopefully we're going to live 100 years or more here. We don't want to live 100 years of hell to then finally get to heaven. You wouldn't know how to act. You lose your mind. God's trying to help us learn how to behave down here. So when you make the transition from earth to glory, it's seamless for you. And so we understood that, that Satan had this authority and that what Satan has done is that he's used lies and he's used deceit in order to blind the people of this world. He's even taken the word of God and he's used things uh, that hadn't worked out in our past to try to diminish and make us think that somehow God isn't true. But I want you to just confess this this morning and say, God, God is, true, is true no matter, no matter. What, failures what failures I may have had. Amen. Amen. And sometimes you have to remind yourself of that. You have to remind yourself that it doesn't matter. Maybe you thought God told you to go here and you went there and it didn't work out. Maybe you thought God told you to apply for this job and you didn't get it. Maybe you thought God told you to do this and it didn't work out. You have to, you have to rectify for yourself that God has never made a mistake. You have to rectify yourself that no matter where you are in life, God knows exactly where you are and that God has passed. Not a path, but God has paths to get you to where you need to be. You just got to keep believing God. And see, what you, what, you, what, you, what you have to understand is Satan really thought he had us because he thought that when Adam gave up his power and dominion that he, he had us contained in the earth and that we were always, all of our life, going to be subjugated to his power and his rule. What he didn't understand is that God already had a plan of redemption. God already, somebody give God some praise for that. God already had a plan of redemption. And in his plan of redemption, one of the things that God did is God set it up so beautifully. So what happened is they actually crucified Jesus. But in crucifying Jesus, they released Jesus into every single one of us. And so now the devil, we're not, we're not trapped with the devil. The devil is trapped on earth with us. See, he, he, he's not wreaking havoc on us. If we're doing our job, we're wreaking havoc on him. The problem is, is that many times we don't realize that we have more power and more authority than the devil ever does. And the moment we begin to realize that, we begin to walk in this thing known as our believer's authority. And so I want to pick up, we talked about three, I want to pick up with number four. Number four talks about the incarnation of Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 
in, 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 the book of, in the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the word, right? And the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh, and that flesh dwelt among us. And so what we have to understand is that God had this great plan of redemption. And part of this plan of redemption was getting the word, first of all, into the earth. And he did that with Jesus Christ. And then we look at 1 Corinthians, or I mean, it's 2 Corinthians, I believe. Uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. And if you go to 1 Corinthians 15, they have some scripture up there, but I want to show you something uh, in the full passage of this. So if you'll go to 2 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Shout power and authority. Oh, that was weak. Come on, shout power and authority. Yeah, so you got to say that like you mean it. Amen. So 2 Corinthians. First, First Corinthians, First Corinthians, the fifteenth chapter. I, when you look at First Corinthians, the fifteenth chapter, and you and you notice here in verse forty-five, it says, "And so it is written: the first man, Adam, was made a living soul; the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural." And afterward, that which is spiritual. So notice he says the first thing that was made was a natural man. He said, but the one that came second was spiritual. This shows your relationship to your birthright. You were first born a natural person. But your power doesn't come from your first birth. Your power comes from your second birth. Because your second birth is your spiritual birth. It's when you become a born-again believer. And so the Bible says in verse 47, the first man is of the earth, which is earthly. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. It says, and, the, and as is the earthly, such are they also that are, are earthly. And as the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. So notice what he says. He says, you were just like Adam when you were born naturally. He says, but the moment you got born again, you became just like the one from heaven. Now, how many of you know Jesus had power and authority? Amen. So if Jesus had power and authority, guess what you have? Power and authority. See, some of y'all ain't going to be able to handle this, but you need to say it. Say, I am, I am created, created just, just the, way the way God intended. God intended. Yeah, yeah. Same power, same authority that he gave Jesus. That's why the Bible says if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will actually quicken your mortal bodies. Why? Because the spiritual is greater than the natural. That's why you ain't got to feel like praising God when you walk up in here. But if you'll release yourself and begin to give God a little wave or something, give God a couple of hand claps, before you know it, all that natural stuff that was bogging you down will leave you, and you will find yourself walking to the front of the church giving God some praise for everything that he's done for you. The problem is that you haven't spent time developing your spiritual man. And the problem is, is we spend an hour on Sunday developing our spiritual man, but we, speak, we feed our natural man junk food all week. Whatever you, whatever you feed the most is going to be the strongest. So when I start talking to you about power and authority, you ought to begin to think about the Bible, not the TV show. Because if you can spend several hours a week watching power, you ought to be able to spend a couple hours reading about some power. If you can spend several weeks watching reality TV, you ought to spend some time reading about your reality. 
Because whatever you spend time on the most is what's going to become the most dominant thing in your life. If you find yourself being sad, watch what you're doing. You sitting up in the house, blinds all closed, got you some Moscato sitting by the side, some crackers, the TV on low, you listen to Sade, no wonder you sad. Put you on some worship music. Put you on something that's going to make you happy. Put you on something that's going to give you joy. You are a byproduct of what you do. And if you don't understand that you don't spend, you don't get, you don't get developed in anything unless you spend time with it. You got to spend time with this. You don't get to come to church, make three confessions, listen to me for 55 minutes, and then go home and live in a kind of way and think you're going to have power and authority. I tell you that because I love you. You got to understand, if the, the kingdom suffered violence, and the violence taketh it by force. The devil's job, I love your analogy this morning, when you talked about the number one team. Whoever the number one team is, everybody's gun informed. You take the number one team, and they play, the number one team in the SEC, they play a team out of the SWAC. The SWAC coming with everything they got. It don't matter what, because they got an opportunity to knock off number one. That's how the devil sees you. You're number one. He understands your position. He understands your authority. And every time he catches you slipping, he's looking to knock you off. So you can't spend your time. You, you, if you're the number one team, you don't go into practice the week before not practicing hard. When you're number one, you got to give everything you got every time you step on the field. You're number one. You got to give everything you got. You ain't got time not to pray. You ain't got time not to fast. You ain't got time not to make your confession. As your coach, I can only give you so much. A coach can only give you so much. So that's why this week I put a, I put a confession in the group every week. But I can't, I can't open your mouth to make you make the confession. Let me help you. You hitting light don't mean you made the confession. You, you, you click like, but did you make the confession? Because liking the confession is not the same thing as making the confession. Somebody shout power and authority. And so the Bible says that this word became an incarnate word for us. It became alive for us. And then when that word became alive for us, that the word then made a sacrifice for us. So the fifth point is the sacrifice. Because how many of you know Jesus made a great sacrifice? And in order for you to walk in power and authority, there are some sacrifices you're going to have to make. Right. Now, when I begin to talk about sacrifice, I ain't talking about like you got to give up all these things. I mean, but there are times that you're going to have to deny yourself of doing the thing you want to do and do the thing you're supposed to do. Amen. What do I mean? I mean, there are times you want to cuss somebody, but you shouldn't. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to pull yourself back. You're going to have to hear the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to pray and grit your teeth and do everything you can because you're about to let them have it, but you know it's not the right thing to do. Listen, you do not, and I'm talking, you, you do not master your tongue by not practicing controlling your tongue. Can I, can I say that again? You don't master your tongue by not, by, you, by not practicing controlling your tongue. You have to practice before you become a master at it. We got some gentlemen in here who play collegiate football. They'll tell you, they, didn't, they may have had some natural abilities, but they had to work. 
They had to practice. They had to go to the weight room. They had to do things. They, they, they didn't just show up every day and just be better than everybody for no reason. Even the greatest of athletes still have to put in time to work. One thing they tell you about Michael Jordan is they say people used to never outwork him in practice. Well, a lot of us feel like Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever. The younger ones of you who don't really know, you think LeBron. But those of us who know, we know it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those of us who really know, <laughs> who really know. Now, you youngsters, y'all ain't seen him, so y'all think it's somebody else. But at the end of the day, they say that at 50 years old, Jordan still puts in work. He's still putting in work. There are people who've seen him play at his showcases with high school kids that say he still can go out in the league and get about 20 a game. Why? Because he puts in the work. Nothing comes without a multitude of work. The Bible says that's how your dreams come. It comes through a multitude of business or a multitude of work. So if you're going to be a person who understands the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, you're going to have to put in some work to mimic that. There are some things you got to sacrifice in order to have the power and authority working in your life. That means that you're going to have to spend some time in the word. Listen, if you don't like reading the Bible, get the Bible on tape. A cassette, a DVD, or whatever they call it nowadays. And listen, I'm going to help you. If you have a problem that every time you get ready to study your Bible on your phone, somebody texts you or you get a Facebook message, don't read your Bible on your phone. I was talking to somebody else. I was like, I, well, I read my Bible on my phone, but I always end up getting a message. Then get a Bible then. Just get a book or whatever you got to do or turn your notifications off. But you can't say, I can't read my Bible because I get too many Facebook messages. Amen? Somebody said, put on airplane mode. Do something. <laughs> whatever you got to do, do something. Amen? And so, so, so Jesus made this great sacrifice. The Bible says in Hebrews 2 and 14, it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, and that is the devil. So Jesus' sacrifice, and I say this to people all the time, people say, well, why did Jesus die so we could go to heaven? No, that really wasn't the reason Jesus died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross so that you could spend eternity in heaven. That's a, by a byproduct of what he did. He died on the cross so that he might destroy him that had the power of death. Remember, when Adam messed up, Adam, Adam gave up his power and authority. So the power and authority rested in food in the hands of the devil. The Bible says Jesus came to take that authority. And so this sacrifice that Jesus made wasn't just so we would still have to be subject to the devil's authority and then eventually get to heaven. The reason he did this so that we could have the same authority that Adam had right now and then still get to heaven. See, you said read verse 15. Y'all have verse 15 up there for me? What does it say? Can you read it out loud? And delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, how many of you know that when you were born again, because you were born after the similitude of Adam, you were born into sin? Amen. That, you, that's, that's where you were. You were held captive into sin. But the Bible says Jesus made this sacrifice so that literally he could destroy the works of the devil and so that he could free us from the bondage that held us for a lifetime. Somebody ought to just shout and give God some praise for being free this morning. 
Any free folk in here this morning? Anybody free this morning? Listen, your freedom gives you the ability to claim your power and your authority. It gives you the right to it. You know, it's like we, we talked about this once before, I believe, and we said that, you know, when they, when they first freed slaves, all the slaves didn't know they were free at the same time. There were some slaves who didn't find out till, till much later. And even though the law said they was free, they still behaved as though they were slaves because they didn't know no better. If you, you can be born again and still act like you in bondage if you ain't got the word that you're free. So, so we have to preach the word that you are free from bondage so that that way you can hear the word and then your behavior can begin to be aligned with a person who walks in freedom. It's vitally important that you understand that you, you, you're free. You know, a lot of churches talk about sin a lot. And, I, and I'm not one of those people who, who don't think sin exists. It exists. But what I believe is you can be so focused on Jesus and pleasing him that sin is not something you have to be worried about. You can, instead of being so sin conscious, you can become righteousness conscious. Tell your neighbor, say, I am the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus. So whatever you focus on is what's going to get magnified. So if I focus on my righteousness and what Christ has done for me and what position that puts me in, then my behaviors line up with who I am. How many of you know you do what you are? Oh, you do. You do what you are. The, the, if you're not a smoker, you don't smoke. That's like somebody told me the other day that they, they, they was a vegetarian, but they had bacon on a, on a veggie burger. You ain't no vegetarian. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are. If you put bacon on your veggie burger, you are, you are a carnivore. That's what you are. You are a carnivore. So, so we can't say we're believers, but then we don't act like believers. We can't say we have power and authority, but don't act like we have power and authority. We got to make sure that what we say is who we are. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, don't advertise if you're not going to deliver. Right, right. Don't tell me you're a vegetarian and you got and you and you over there eating bacon. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't tell me you work out and you don't work out. Just don't, just don't say nothing. Sometimes they be, I, I know, I know, I know, I got to do better. But right now, I'm talking about right now, they be talking about let's go work and let's go work out. I don't be like, man, I'm going to meet you there on Wednesday. I don't even lie to people. I be like, man, we need to work out. I be like, yeah, we do. I, I just, I just, yeah, we do. I ain't say I'm coming. I ain't say I'm going to meet you there. Because I believe that if you, if, if you ought to be advertising who you are. So then we ought to be advertising that we are believers. Amen? All right. And so then the next one, the last one we'll stop here today, after we talk about this sacrifice that Jesus made, we find out that through this sacrifice, you and I get the opportunity to become a new creation. Amen. Say, I am, I am a, new a new creature in Christ Jesus. I mean, not a reformed. You're not reformed. You're not. You're, you're new. You, you, you know, it ain't, it ain't like when you break your mother's lamp and you try to put it back together. You know, and, and you can you can it's back together, but it, it, it still don't work like it used to. The light bulb still flicker a little bit now because it's been messed up. That's not who you are. God created you brand new, brand new. Now, now, the reality of the human mind is this. When you get saved, because man is a tripartite being, there's a part of you who still remembers everything you used to do. Still remembers everything you used to say. When you get saved, you don't forget all the stuff you... If, if you get saved today, tomorrow, you ain't going to forget how to cut somebody out. 
you still know. You still know. What has to happen is you have to begin to identify those areas in that part of you. Remember, man is spirit, soul, and body. You got to begin to identify those things that's in your soul, and you got to begin to use the word to watch that part of you. Because if you don't ever do any training to your soul, you'll be born again, but you'll be acting the same way you always have. It's the reason why people can get saved and, 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 you, and they get saved and they really are saved because, all, because the, the, the part of you that gets born again is your spirit. It's your soul that has to be renewed. And what that means is you got to give it some new information. And the only way to get old information out is to flood it with new information. Your brain is like a computer. It has to be reprogrammed. Right now, you got zeros and ones that say when somebody make you mad, it's okay to be rude. But you need to reprogram your mind with zeros and ones that says when somebody makes you mad, you just display the love of God. They ain't say amen. I ain't getting not one on that one. Hey, amen. Y'all was like, hey, amen. Y'all gave me a weak amen on the reprogramming. But God and the word can be your computer programmer. If you spend time putting that word in you, the likelihood that you will cuss somebody out becomes less and less. The more words you get, it becomes less and less. Watch this. The, the, the more words you get into, you're less likely to snap at your spouse. Reading a word will cause you not to have so much dysfunction in your relationship. Watch this. Reading the word will give you wisdom on how to act on your job. I'm, I am convinced that some people don't, some people are not promoted, not because they don't have the talents and skills, but because your boss can't trust what you will say. He, he, they, they think you're smart. They think you got skill, but you done flew off the handle so many times by lacking self-control, they're like, I got to keep you where I can keep my hand on you. So when the, the word of God is not just designed to help you live spiritual, the word of God is really designed to help you live a better natural life. Because your spirit is saved. The part of you that needs fix is your soul. The word says that it washes us clean. That's what the word does. Right now, your soul in some areas look like you've been sliding in mud. The word will wash that. The word will wash that. Some of you are thinking is dirty thinking. It's, it's twisted. It's wicked thinking. You got wicked thinking about your finances. You got wicked thinking about relationships. You got wicked thinking about your kids. You got wicked thinking about your spouse. You got wicked thinking about your health. You got wicked thinking. And the word of God is designed to untwist all of that. But you got to see yourself in this new image. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He preached unto the Gentiles and believed on in the world, received up into glory. The Bible says that he became a new creation. And just like Jesus became brand new, sitting at the right hand of the Father, he has given you and I the power and the ability to become brand new people. 
And the reason we teach this, the reason we keep talking about this is because we don't want you to see yourself the way you used to see yourself. We want you to see yourself the way the word sees you. In fact, I want to end with this scripture. Go to Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8. Say, I am am a new creation. creation. The Bible says, behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. You are new. So let's look at Psalms chapter 8. In Psalms chapter 8, the Bible says, when I consider the heavens... The work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars which thou hast ordained. The question becomes, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Now now notice, this is a dialogue between the angels of heaven and they're speaking to God. They're saying literally, what is it about man that you care so much about him? The Bible tells us that God loves us so much because we're created in his image. Literally, God is looking. When God looks at each and every single one of us, he sees a glimpse of himself. He sees a glimpse of himself in us. And that is the reason that when he sees a glimpse of us, that he loves us so much. The angel says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? It says that thou art mindful of him and that the son of man, that thou visitest him. What is it about man that makes, that they're saying, God, what is it about man that makes you long for him? What is it about man that makes you want to be where man is? The next verse, verse 4, verse 5. It says, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Now, we've taught you before that this translation is not a a correct translation. When it says, for thou hast made him a little lower than angels, the actual word here is the word Elohim. It says, for thou hast made him a little lower than God himself. Then in other words, God is is here, and God took man and made man in his image. We, We are not God, but we are the essence of who God is. My, my boys are not me, but they're the essence of who I am. And, and the Bible says that, that, that God made man, and he put man in his position that was literally just, just right below him. And see, when I begin to think about this, you understand that the devil was an angel. So, so, so the devil was an angel. So even in, the, even in the devil's, even in Lucifer's glory, he wasn't like man. So even in his glory, when the wind blew through him, the Bible said he had pipes on the inside of him. And when the wind blew, he made beautiful music. But even in his glory, he wasn't like man. So the Bible says that now that he's fallen, how dare we be subject to him? We weren't subject to him when he was on his pinnacle. We sure not going to be subject when he's down here. So notice what he said, thou madest him. He made man to have dominion. Over the works of thy hands, thou hast put all things under his feet. Under his feet. You have power and authority, and all things have been placed under your feet. The devil's not supposed to be subject over you. Sickness and disease, financial depression, not supposed to be subject to you. That's a curse of the law. The The Bible says all things have been placed under your feet. That God's given us dominion and power. And the angels recognize this. They said, what is man that you put him in such great authority? What is it about man that you made him literally almost just like yourself? 
He says, you, you, you made man, and then you put him in this beautiful earth. He says, and, and then you gave him dominion and power, and you gave him over all the sheep and all the oxen, over all the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever, whatsoever. That, 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 see, when you start naming stuff, whatsoever in the Bible is like etc. You start naming stuff, and you get tired of naming, you just say etc. He's giving you power over fish, over birds, over this, over that, etc. What's etc.? Everything that's plaguing you. Everything that's plaguing you, that's etc. That's etc. Whatever it is. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, it is a righteous thing for God to trouble your troubles. You got to understand, it is, it is God's good pleasure to cause everything that causes you destruction to be placed under your feet. But you got to make the decision that you're going to walk in that authority. And if you make the decision to walk in that authority, there's nothing that can stop you. The Bible says all things are possible to them that believe. You ought to give God some praise this morning. All things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. This isn't just hype. This isn't just feel good preach. I'm telling you what the word of God says. You know, people say they don't like prosperity gospel. I don't know how you preach the gospel and don't talk about prosperity. This is prosperity. Cancer. My, my wife was praying a couple of days ago, and, she, and I know it's really strong on her, on her because she's been talking about it. And I can tell when something's really strong because she'll keep mentioning it over and over and over again. And she started saying, as believers, we have got to begin to create a cancer-free zone. That everywhere we go, we got to be able to push cancer back. Cancer can't be stronger than the blood of Jesus. It cannot be stronger than the power and the authority and the dominion that we have. And we just decree and declare cancer cannot touch us. And you, you, you got you to get that on the inside of you so that it's not just, I don't want to be your hype man. My job is not to be your hype man, but I am. my calling is to teach you what the word of God says so you'll begin to think about this. On this week, when something raises its head in your life, I would to God, I beseech you that instead of complaining, you would rise up and say, wait a minute, I have power, I have dominion, I have authority over this situation, and it will be what I say it is. It is. The Bible says in, in, in Corinthians, the 15th chapter, it says, we, we, we have in the same spirit of faith. That we, 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 we believe and therefore we speak. And when we speak, we see what we say. We have in the same spirit of faith. We have the same faith. The same faith that got Peter out the boat is the same faith that we have. The same faith where the centurion said, I am a man under authority. And because I'm a man under authority, I understand authority. He said, and if you'll just say the word. He says, because in my world, this is how it works. I tell someone to come, and they come. I tell somebody to go, and they go. He says, your word works the same. And so we got to begin to see that. You ain't got to be where your family is to pray for them. Just sit in the word. Just sit in the word. You, you can be at your home, right? You can be in here right now. Start sending the, start sending the word to your job. To, uh, just right now, start sending the word to your job. It's crazy folks. God, I think there ain't no crazy folk on my job. 
Stop calling them crazy so they'll stop being crazy. You use your words to frame your world. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. Say, I am committed to walking in my power and my authority. Amen. God bless y'all this morning. Amen.